You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. It is Encounter with God time. That means we're about to get into our 20 million movement Bible study. 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. We're in Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to finish it today. It's going to be amazing. Um, It's going to launch us into chapter 9, which is like the deepest chapter in the book of Hebrews. So that's next week. But right now we have the 400-point question for our quiz. For 400 points. Where did Paul meet Aquila and Priscilla? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you know the answer, for 500 points, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, that question was, where did Paul meet Aquila and Priscilla? Dude, that's an epic name. Like, like, okay, I've heard, like, of women named Priscilla, but I've never heard of men named Aquila. And Aquila is an epic name. Yeah, maybe need we maybe we need to bring that back. Hundred percent, mate. You like like his nickname could be Aki. Yeah, that that's a cool nickname. That'll work. I know someone named Aki. They're from Finland, and okay. people like calling them Aki. But Aquila, imagine, dude, that's that's boss. And your name is like Aqua. Like, could you know if you wanted to brand it yourself or something? Like, if you wanted to brand yourself, you could go like water themed. I guess. Uh, I'm, just, I'm getting. I don't know. I don't know. It's really, right it's really speaking to me. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call again. Where did Paul meet Aquila and Priscilla? Okay, so number of text messages coming through here uh, in relation to the ship to the Ukraine. Uh, Darren says, "I think we'll see more wars and rumors of wars in mm. the next year. In the next few years, don't forget China." And this is the scary thing because China is backing Russia in uh, this war in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you look at those two nations together, that is a massive amount of both manufacturing power. It's a massive amount of manpower. Mm. It's a massive amount of military power. It's really quite terrifying where our world could go. Yeah. And, and, you know, we chi- need to be. China's all for occupation. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, they, they don't mind what's going on. They're like, good, not, not the good, good work. Okay, uh, let me see here. Over 40 people already died after a single shell hit an apartment building. My heart goes out to all the families. There are over three dozen wars going on at the moment, most of them in the Middle East, Northwest Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, and a major ongoing drug war in Mexico. Consider Mm. our blessings. And, And I think the thing is, you know, we look at all those wars, you know, um, three dozen wars happening around the world right now, and most of them are between minor powers and uh, drug uh, and and uh, warlords. Mm. But what you've got happening in the Ukraine that is different is that this is one of the world's major powers going to war. Yeah, that's right. And that is especially terrifying. But I take the point right here, and I think the point is well made that we can be very thankful to live in this country, where there is no ongoing conflict. That you know, so many of these countries have just sort of never lived when there is not conflict happening. Yeah, it's crazy. Like we've been talking about, like the Beijing Olympics and how people shouldn't go because of like the atrocities that are happening in, in China at the moment. Yes. So, like this war's broken out, and there's like a famous. F1 driver is named Sebastian Vettel, and he stood up and he said, I'm not going to race at the Russian Grand Prix because it's wrong. And yeah, and good. I'm like, good, there's a Chinese Grand Prix. <laughs> Don't race there either. I'm like, man, are people really not keeping up with this? Like, what, what's going on? Like, like obviously what's happening, like, 
But it's not just like, oh, like this is scary because a major power is going to war where there's global yes. implications. War, That's right. What's not scary about warlords is there's usually not global Im- implications. And here's the thing. There's no global implications at this stage to the Chinese persecution of Uyghurs. Mm. You know, throwing three million of them into concentration camps, and so and so, it's like, yeah, we'll go to Beijing. We'll 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 support the Olympics over there. We'll support the Grand Prix, whatever it might be, because mm. is not landing in our backyard. We don't have missiles landing in our backyard. Yeah, but I hope this can really wake people up to, hey, like, <laughs> this is this is insane. This is hectic. Okay, um, on the subject of salvation. We talked oh, about yeah. uh, assurance, and I just want to say that you know, if you do not have assurance of salvation, it is the privilege of every mm. child of God to have assurance of salvation right now, mm. and to have absolute confidence that you would be going to heaven if you would have suddenly be struck dead in this moment. And the place that that assurance is found is not in a decision you made twenty years ago. Yes, it's found in Jesus Christ. Mm. It cannot be found anywhere else, and it cannot probably be better expressed than the words of the old hymn. I know I quote it all the time. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. If Jesus is yours, Mm. you have assurance. If Jesus is not yours, you do not have assurance. Mm. And if you feel that lack of assurance, that's a good thing because it will drive you to Jesus. Anyway, uh, somebody writing through here. Uh, we are saved only by what Christ has done on the cross and is doing for us in the heavenly sanctuary. Wow, haven't we been reading about that in our mm. Bible study? Um, our part in salvation is to believe and accept his gift of salvation. Our lives, our lives will show by our works, our living faith and love of Christ. All glory to Jesus. Mm. I'm going to give that one text message of the day so far unless somebody can top it because that is just so well put right there. Then we come to, we've got a few text messages that came through in relationship to the, um, basically the warfare on children. Well, that's how it's described in this message. Uh, the story that we covered, you know, teaching pre-kinder students radical gender ideology when they're not even up to Legos yet. Mm. I mean, they're still playing with teddy bears. Mm. They're at teddy bear stage and we are sexualizing our children. Um, and this person has to say, warfare on the children. That is sick. That's capitalized sick. Mm. It's not getting any better. It's not getting any better, is it? With three exclamation marks. Mm. You can only imagine how evil their minds are. They are all pedophiles. Sick, sick, sick. Heavy. Yeah, but you can't hear a story like that and not feel like that. Mm. You know? Really, you're going to do this to our children? That's... You're going to rob them of their innocence the moment they enter pre-kindy? Mm. It's just the most horrific thing ever that we are seeing. And um, Darren says this one, and, of course, um, he works in the education system. He, he works in, uh, in chaplaincy. Mm. Um, so this is, this is here his area of expertise. He's, Darren has a whole life of uh, 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 children's ministry behind him. The enemy has plans for our children. The question is, do we? Mm. You know, Do we actually have plans for our children? Have we sat down with our school principal and asked the hard questions? Where do you stand on the issues of radical gender ideology? Where do you stand on the issues of same-sex marriage? Where do you stand on the issues of creation uh, and evolution? Where do you stand on you know the issue of screens in school and screen time and so forth? Where do you stand on these important issues mm. that where we are protecting our children from 
the influences of Satan. Mm. And we need to know where our school principals stand on it. We need to know where our, where our teachers stand on it. We need to know where our schools stand on it. Um, I know that you know when I sent my kids to a private school, I didn't assume any of this stuff. I sat down with the principal, and this was a school that was not of my faith. Mm. I sat down with the principal and was like, okay, this is, this is my list of things that I want to know about, and my kids aren't coming here until I hear from you exactly where you stand on these particular issues. Mm. Um, and Darren, continuing on here, we often outsource too much to others, including the faith of our children. Mm. And, and I think the real lesson here is that, uh, that Darren is highlighting the need of parents to be parents. Yeah, that's right. And the need of parents to be present mm. and not to be vaguely aware that there are smaller, shorter people in the house that they send off to various activities during the day while you know they go, to, go away to work and so forth. And uh, you know, I know it's not going to work for everyone, but you know, for my wife and I, we forego, forego, for we we forego bought buying a house when we had kids. Mm. Like, no, we got we got something more important to spend, and we invested, you know, my wife's potential income into our children, mm. and so you know, we became first home buyers like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I just, after our children left home. Yeah, that's right. I've just been really reflecting on like like this situation, and also like I was a child pretty recently. I'm 23 now, so I only became an adult like five, six years ago. And uh, but before that point, being a child, like I grew up in the internet age, and like I was exposed to sexual, like sexual things as like a young child. Um, but it was by my friends, like it was by other children, not and, by your teachers. Yeah, like, and I'm just thinking, I'm trying to, and that was like damaging enough. And I'm trying to wrap my head around like, man, if 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 my teachers have an agenda to expose me to and sexualize me, like, man, it would just be destroying. Like, I don't know where I'd be today if I went through that. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We have one more uh, text message here. Religious discrimination legislation, you have to ask what have both political parties have actually done to protect religious liberty? The anti-discrimination bill doesn't really have anything to do with true Christian morals. They are, in fact, against them. Whatever bill, mm. bill we get in the end, I doubt it will protect people of faith. Labor and Green Party seem parties against God and morals, but are the Liberals really any better? While, while there many times I like to stick my head in the sand, I've decided to look up and see Jesus soon coming. Our salvation comes from the Lord. Amen. Amen. What a great end of that text message right there. Love it. Also, I, I just I quickly, I got another text. I got, got a text message. Got a text message. I got a text message. Uh, sorry, Lawson, but I know her, and her last name is pronounced Jager. Lyle is correct. Sorry, I'm a bit late in texting. Oh, really? Yeah. So, Lyle, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> I was... So, this is a this is a this person's a local person. Uh, maybe. maybe I, I assume know. so. I I don't have any information about the texter, but they were just like, uh, actually, her name is pronounced Jaeger. You're wrong. I'm like, it's spelt Jaeger. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, whatever. All right. Ah, uh, well, right now it's time to get into our Bible study. It is. Let's go to Hebrews chapter eight. And this is this is my favourite verse of Hebrews chapter. 8. Yes, so getting into the good part. We're getting into the good part. Oh, that, it's this, been so good. So far. Hebrews eight peaks at this particular point. Mm. 
You thought it peaked with the introduction where it talks about our great high priest sitting on the right hand of the Father mm. and ministering in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle which God pitched into not man. No, that was just the start. Yeah, that's right. Because, because there are, this, there's a better introduction to come in chapter 12, you know. This is the place <laughs> in the Bible where the new covenant is defined. Yes. It is definitively defined. So if you want to know what the new covenant is, this is where the new covenant is stated. Let's read what it says in Hebrews chapter 8. Um, well, we'll read verse 9. And then verse 10. Which sort of gives us the the, the, the the prequel to, you know, he's building up to the new covenant before he just drops it on us. All right. Verse 9, the Bible says, This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Okay, so here you've got it and and you've got this introduction. It's like, you know, it's not going to be like the covenant that I made in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. you know, where the people came along and they promised that uh, we will do everything that you say. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've made this covenant together. We've sealed it with the blood of a bull. Not going to make a covenant like that. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the new covenant. It's going to be sealed by the blood of Jesus. Let's work our way down through it here in verse 10 um, where God says, I will put my laws in their heart and write them on, sorry, put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. Mm. Okay, where are all of the promises coming from here? From God. Okay, so this is what God does with the new covenant is he excludes promises from human beings. Yes, with the first covenant, with the old covenant, I should say, uh, the human beings jump in and like, yeah, we want in on this. God's mm. making a covenant. Great. Let's uh, let's be a part of this one as mm. well. And so let's jump in and let's make our own promises as a part of that covenant mm. and insert our promises into the covenant. Mm-hmm. And that's where it failed. Mm-hmm. And with this one, and, and basically they've said, okay, everything that God has said, we will do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's God's law. We will do God's law. Yes. They don't have the power to do that. That's an impossibility. Nobody can do that. Mm. And so God comes along and says, okay, before you can even open your mouth and take a breath, because human beings are always trying to figure out what they can do to earn salvation. It is human nature. Before you can open your mouth, I'm just going to state it. I will put my laws in your mind and write it on your heart. Mm. And this is the difference between the old and the new. In the old covenant, the people are like, yeah, we will know your law. We will obey your law. Mm. And so it's like, well, we can learn what the law says and just do it. Whereas God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to write it on your mind. So it's, 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 it's part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. And I'm going to write it, and you know what it says, and I'm going to write it on your heart so that you want to do it. So the heart being obviously a symbol of emotion. So you will know it intellectually because I have put it in your mind. You will know it emotionally and you will want to do it because I'm in your heart. Mm. I'm in your emotions. I'm in your in your intellect. I'm the one that's doing this, mm. not you. So it's almost like it's, it's the first thing that comes out of God's mouth. It's like, you know, well, let's make a new covenant and we all take a deep breath to say, Wow, that's a great idea. Um, we as people will do this and this and this. Mm. We the people. 
we'll do these things. Guy's like, nah, before you can even say anything, here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's me, not you. Great stuff. All right, Lawson, why don't you read for us uh, verse 11? Oh, this part's really cool. Uh, verse 11, And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. Okay, 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 okay. This is just amazing because think about this for a moment. Notice the foundation of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. God says, I will write it in your mind mm-hmm. so you know the law intellectually. Mm-hmm. I will write it in your heart so emotionally you want to do what the law says. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will do these things. And those that are a part of the new covenant will know me. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going around like, oh, we need to know about God. No. If you are under the new covenant, you will know me. You will know who I am. You will know what I believe, what I stand for, what I teach, and how to live. The foundation of the new covenant is in a relationship. Mm. It is far more than just an intellectual assent to the truth that they made at Mm. Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, they all stood back and listened to God's covenant. And it's like, yes, we understand the words that God said, so we will do them. Mm. Not realizing that human beings are irreparably broken. Yes, yes. And it is impossible for human beings to do any of these things. They Mm. were promising to do the impossible. Mm. And so because of that, they obviously failed epically and danced around a golden calf, etc. We all know the tragic story of what happened there. Whereas if they had understood that... The covenant is based around God's works. Mm. It is based around God's power. It is based around God writing his law in our minds and in our heart. Mm. It is based around having a relationship with God and knowing God. Then that would have made all the difference because that's what conversion is. That's right. And we see, like, I, I believe when it says, like, you would not need to teach your neighbors and whatnot, it's like that they will intuitively see through you a picture of God, like through your conversion, like this is a kind of illustration of what witnessing is. And we see that take place. Like when people truly had a conversion experience and my mind goes to, uh, I believe it's Peter and John, uh, when they get like arrested and they're before, uh, this, the, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they're accusing them of heresy and all these things. And then Jay, and they're giving response and they're like, Hey, no, like th- we're doing this because of, of what the scripture says and what Jesus has led, like Jesus is the Messiah, all these different things. And they see that and, and they see that these unlearned men, like these fishermen, these had been with Jesus. Had been with Jesus. That's their response. They're like, oh man, these guys have really been with Christ because they they act like Christ. They speak like Christ. They live like Christ. There was they didn't need to teach them and say, Oh, like this is this is the reason why. Like they had just they had just seen their witness and knew that God was working amongst them. Um, but unfortunately, they decided to, be- to not believe. Um, but yeah, it's like this is the promise of uh, – this is the natural consequence or the natural um, – the, the next step of conversion is that those around you see, oh, this person is having an experience with God that affects them. And they know, they know intuitively, like, this is, these people are different. I think that was the difference with the Israelites is that the nations around them didn't see a different people. They saw a people that could be conquered and whatever it may be. And so they, because they continued to end up in, in idolatry and all kinds of things. But this is talking about a converted, a changed people. 
Absolutely. And this is the difference. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you have the power to keep God's law. You don't have that mm. on yourself, by yourself. Uh, can a leopard change its spots? No, that's what the Bible says. Can an Ethiopian change his skin color? No. Would he want to? No, because he has no. amazing skin. Yeah, that's right. Um, but can he change it? No. Um, we can't do any of those things. Can God? Yes. If God wants to change a leopard to lose its spots, God can speak and the leopard no longer has spots. It is that simple. We can't change our hearts. We can't change ourselves. But God can. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is time for the penultimate quiz question. Penultimate? Yes. I think that's Ultimate. Penultimate is one before. Oh, okay. So that was the penultimate. Man, you're really struggling. I was just trying to find a big word to use. I like it. Okay. Okay. But for the 500 point quiz. It's the penultimate because uh, we've got the question of the day coming up. No. 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 I'm not actually struggling. Stop. Stop (laughs) All right. The 400 points are penultimate. This is the ultimate. The ultimate. For 500 points. John chapter 3 says we should be fellow helpers to what? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. You can win our prize for today, which is the book In These Last Days, The Message of Hebrews by Felix H. Cortez. So if you guys want to get into Hebrews, as we've been getting into Hebrews, give us a call, 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, John chapter 3 says we should be fellow helpers to what? 0491-064-669. Okay, so um, heading back to our Bible study, we've been reading the definition of the new covenant. Yes. And there's one aspect that we have yet to get to, and we're going to find it in Hebrews chapter 8. So let's flick over there real quick. And uh, read this last bit of the New Covenant, which comes up in verse 12. Read for us verse 12, please, Lawson. In verse 12, it says, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Is that actually possible? For what? Okay, we understand it's possible for God to forgive us of our sins, but is it possible for God to forget something? Because it says, I will never, ever remember their sins. Mm. I mean, my translation, it says here, I will remember uh, their iniquities. Will I remember no more? Mm. Can well, can God forget? Can we forget? Well, that's not the issue because, you know, there's nothing here that says that we won't remember our sins. Mm. But can God forget? Well, I think like... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, bro. Like, if if we apply this literally, I I would say, like, no, God wouldn't forget. And why would he need to? But can he? But can he? Like, does he choose to? Is that, like, is that something that he wants to do? Well, this is what it says. It's reading what the Bible says. The Bible says this is what God will do. Okay. He will forget. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, if I was to say, I want you to, for the next minute, I want you to forget about elephants. Oh, I'm done. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen, is there's, it? There's nothing in there. No. <laughs> Human beings can't do that. Okay? So everybody that's listening right now, you cannot forget about elements, elephants for the next minute. Mm. That's an impossibility. And the more you try and tell yourself, I need to forget about elephants, the more you remind yourself. Mm-hmm. So is it possible for God to forget? And here's an interesting thought because, okay, think about the, the, the power of God. Mm. We can say, you know, I've forgotten about it, I don't remember it anymore, but 
the reality is that we still do, and even those things that we forget, they still exist in our subconscious, and they can come back to us mm. at, at, at any point. But as Rafi's just texting through right now, God chooses to forget, and when God chooses to do something, does it actually happen? Mm. So when God chooses to say, let there be planet Earth, what happens? There's, There's planet, planet Earth. Earth. Yep. When God chooses to say, let there be fish, what happens? There's some fish. There's fish. God's word is creative. Mm. And so when God says, I'm going to forget your sins, God actually has the power to do so. We don't, actually, we don't, we don't have that power. Mm. This is a power that we do not as human beings possess. Uh, and, and I think God be, actually does. I think because of that, we're, we also struggle to understand like how this is possible. Yes. I'm like, how can you choose to forget something? But that's right. How, you know, because a human being can't choose to forget something. Yeah, that's right. But God can. Mm. So the most amazing thing is that we can be in heaven someday and we can have a conversation with God and it's like, you know, I can't, I can't believe I did this terrible thing, you know, back in those days. I don't think we will. I don't think this kind of conversation will ever take place. But let's say that it did and uh, we're like, yeah, and God's like, I don't remember that. Mm. Because God actually doesn't. Mm. He actually forgets. You know, we might say, oh, don't worry about it. I've forgotten about it. I've forgotten, long forgotten about that. Don't worry about it. You know, it's all forgiven. Because mm. for, for, forgetting and forgiveness are going hand in hand right here in this passage, which is where we often say forgive and forget. Mm. But the reality is we don't forget, and on this earth it's not wise to forget. Mm. You know, it'd be wise to forget, obviously, when we get to heaven, but... Um, as human beings, this is something that is not possible for us, mm. but, I, but it I think, is possible for God. I think that's a good context. Like, I think that's a good point. In the context of heaven, you actually have the ability to forget because it's like, you know, there are no, that, that barrier of sin and, you know, the exploitation of vulnerability that exists like on earth where you wouldn't forget because you don't want to be vulnerable and you don't want to be exploited and you don't want to go through the same thing again, um, that no longer exists. Like you actually have peace and safety and security in the realist sense. Mm. And so there is no need to remember, even for God. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. All right, let's have a look here in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verse 12. It says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their mm. sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Is this based on the righteousness of the people? Are they being saved because of their righteousness? Uh, no. Are they being saved because they are just have never broken the new covenant? No. No. They are being saved because, in fact, the new covenant actually specifically states that they break the covenant. Yeah, the, the conditions of the covenant is that, oh, this applies to you if you're a covenant breaker. Yes. Which applies to, to be everyone. under the new covenant, you actually have to break it because <laughs> it says here, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more and I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness mm -hmm. and forgive their transgressions. Yes. You can't be forgiven transgressions unless you've transgressed the new covenant. Yes. I think this is such an important point. It's something something that we, we need to kind of clarify is that does this give license to break the new covenant? No, not at all. This is all about keeping the new covenant. That's right. This is all about yes. I will put my laws in their mind, I yes. will write them in their heart. This is about change. This is about yes. becoming a new person. This is, But this is also God being very, very real and knowing our history and knowing where we come from and knowing what we need to be changed from mm. and knowing our weakness and our frailty and God saying, okay, under the old covenant, you said, yeah, we'll just do it. And you didn't. And you didn't. Under the new covenant, 
I'll do it. Mm. And that's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is we will do it. Mm. New Covenant is God says I will do it. Mm. And God actually has the power uh, to do so. Uh, let me see a text message coming through here. Not quite sure who this one's from. For the first time I ever heard, the first time I ever heard God say, "I will forget," reminded me of people that have hurt me and truly forgave them. However, from time to time, I relive the pain. Therefore, I remember and haven't forgotten. It's amazing God forgets. That's true forgiveness. Mm. It is absolutely just an incredible thought that one day we will get to heaven and have and you know God not remember our sins. Um, whatsoever at all. Okay, so these passages here that we're reading, of course, we talk about this as the New Covenant, and we say this is the place in the Bible where the New Covenant is defined. It's not the only place. Mm. Go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, and we're going to look here in verse uh, 33, 34. In fact, I might just read this. Oh, have you got that there, Lawson? Go for yeah, it. sure. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sin no more. Mm. And so here we have it right there in the book of Jeremiah, deep in the Old Testament. This is what we call the everlasting covenant. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are about to go into our question of the day. Before we do, we have... Answers for our quiz questions. That's right. For 100 points, um, Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to get corn or grain. This is, oh, because it just said corn, and I was like, I would have said grain, but he sent them to get corn or grain. For 200 points, the answer was a crown of righteousness. For 300 points, Holy Ghost. For 400 points, the answer was Corinth. That's where uh, Paul meets Priscilla and Aquila. And for 500 points, the answer is the truth. So if you got all those correct, congratulations. But right now it is time for... Of the day. Awesome. So, uh, one of the Shuttleworth brothers bringing us into question of the day, which today is Was the plan of salvation in place before the fall of Adam? Christine asked that one. Asks that one. Okay, and this is a really good question. It's one that uh, I guess has been asked a number of times, but uh, we need to go through it again in detail. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 15, this is our first principle we're going to look at in answering this question, is that where there is no law, there is no transgression. And so without the law, there is no possibility of sin. Now, to create beings that have the power of choice, obviously you have to be, uh, create a law as well. So, you know, God is a God of love. Love does not exist with the power, without the power of choice. Therefore, God cannot create without creating beings that have the power of choice. Therefore, God cannot create without creating the possibility of evil. Therefore, God being God is never going to create without having a plan in place as to what he will do if somebody does choose to break his law and to sin at some particular point. And so very clearly from this, we can, uh, we, we can see that 
God is somebody who uh, has a plan in place. You know, the implication is, I guess the implication is that the plan of salvation exists uh, long before sin because the law exists before sin and the definition of sin exists before sin. And we can find that in more detail when we go over to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 where the Bible is far more specific where it says, All that live on the earth shall worship the Antichrist whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain, notice, from the foundation of the world. Now, the foundation of the world was made long before Adam was made. And so the Bible teaches very clearly that the plan of salvation, that Jesus was the lamb slain before Adam was even made. So God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. He has a plan in place. It's going to take place. Probably one of the deepest verses on this particular issue is from Colossians chapter 1. And let's read it right here. Beginning in verse 13, it says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So it talks about, specifically talks about God's dear son or the father's dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Praise God. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And we've talked in the past how that firstborn can be first chronologically or first in preeminence. Uh, clearly, Jesus was never born, and so therefore he is the first in preeminence. It says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether our thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So this is interesting because the Bible speaks very, very clearly in verse 17 and says that Jesus is before all things. Mm. Now, the Bible cannot say that if the Father exists before Jesus. There is no exception here. It doesn't say that Jesus is before all things except the Father. So Jesus has clearly been here as long as the Father has been here, which Mm. is eternity. Jesus has been there from eternity. Eternity, he is before all things. Or who is the he that is being spoken of here? In context, he is the dear son of God and the firstborn of every creature. We know that Jesus was never born of God. He was never begotten of God, uh, the father, until the incarnation. Mm. But the Bible says he has been that person from eternity. He was that person before anything existed. And if Jesus is that person, the Son of God, if Jesus is that person, the firstborn of every creature, before anything has ever existed, and equally with the Father, then the plan of salvation has been there as long as God has been there. Mm. Uh, We have some wonderful news that God has always had a plan for our salvation. A couple of last uh, quick text messages coming through here. And, you know, this it's interesting to see the alternative points of view out there. Mm. Um, don't always have to agree with them, but uh, Chris says that Russia has always wanted buffer states to protect from invaders from the West, such as France and Germany. That's why it demanded the Ukraine not become a member of NATO. That demand being ignored, Russia had to act in self-defence. There would have some validity in 1946, I would say, mm. but not in the age of... Uh, you know, intercontinental cruise missiles. Mm. Um, And also um, the question is, has Germany and France been making any threats of invading Russia? 
Mm. Uh, the, the real reason I see is that Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe and has more natural resources than the whole of Russia put together. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of obvious and simple as to uh, yeah. why they want the Ukraine. That anyway, um, that's all right. We love to hear your, your, your thoughts and your opinions on all of these things. Mm. And uh, if you've got some points of view that are different, then send them through for sure. Fantastic. And as of course, as you go through the day, we like to remind everybody to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.